0: Like fighting, I'm definitely the guy to watch, man, because someone's getting finished if I have anything to say about it. If I fought Floyd Mayweather in the street, I would kill him in less than two minutes. The human body is meant to be moving. Your body is designed to go out and go get it. When you're sitting there in front of your screen all day and your heart rate is staying at a 100 beats per minute the entire day, you are hardly alive. You're alive, but your body's not invigorated. Just go after it, man. I always tell people, fight, you're a good fight. Whatever your good fight looks like, go win that shit today. I was telling my brother... We were sitting there after practice and, you know, I, I, was being, I was being filthy. I hadn't washed my job strap in like two weeks. You know what I mean? Usually you got to take the job strap home and, and wash the damn thing, right? So I hadn't washed it in like two weeks. And I come home from practice and I'm like, man, dude, my fucking balls are itching, bro. Lord knows. I get out the shower, bro. I'm scrolling through Instagram. Guess what's coming up with my Instagram? Anti itch nut cream. Yep. I'm like, is there no privacy in the world, bro? I can't even tell my younger brother they're my Gucci Gucci's without getting advertisements for the capitalistic machine trying to jump on my hairy balls, man, my itchy nuts. <laughs> so did you get get it resolved? No, man, I didn't I didn't give them any of my money, man. I just took a shower. I just took a shower and washed my jog strap. What a great way to start this show. This is fucking awesome. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Hairy balls. Yes, sir. But yeah, you were...
1: Uh you were born and raised in Chicago. Came to Columbus, Ohio. Went to Ohio State. Uh, yes, sir. Through a communication yep, program. Exactly. And uh, what we're talking about offline is what I admire the most is one people that fight in combat sports, which is obviously you. You're a professional MMA fighter. Uh, we were just also talking about just like most things are driven by fear, right? Uh, why do I think it's most uh, difficult thing to do as a human? It's the most primal, right? Like, mm, definitely. If you beat my ass, I'm like, oh yeah. I'm gonna do as he says But most people fear Public speaking More than they do death But I also think that One of the most fearful things Is getting your ass beat Like there's nothing more yeah. Primal than that So yeah. uh you to share Kind of the journey of
0: Ingrained into your There's nothing more scary than that And, and it, there It's because there shouldn't be Even whenever I fight Like I have to remind myself We're not actually gonna die You know Your body Before you go into the cage Your body like You know your um your fighter fight or flight system is, like, designed to prepare you for life and death, you know? So you go into the cage feeling like, you know, only one man's walking out of this cage. I have to remind myself, it was like, you know, 12 hours from now, I'm going to have a cup full of mint chocolate chip ice cream in it. You know what I mean? I was like, this is, this is a big deal, you know? This is a big deal, but at the end of the day, man, don't make it too big of a deal, you know? Make it special, but don't make it out of the ordinary. I mean, I spar every day. You know what I mean? I do shadow boxing every day. I'm 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 doing, when I fight, I'm still doing the same thing I do every day. Nothing's really out of the ordinary.
1: Yeah. You know? So, so what got, uh, what got you in the cage for the first time? Like what, what sparked it for you?
0: Man, that's a, that's
1: a hard question to first answer. I mean, cause growing up in Chicago, right? Like for the most part, areas can be very dangerous. Did you get in a lot of fights as a kid? Uh, did you, get your ass beat by your parents, did older brother beat you up? No, like,
0: no, no. Um, I grew up in an area of Chicago called Oak Park, so it's the first suburb off the west side. Um, I, was, I was very fortunate in the way that I grew up, you know what I mean? My my mom and dad both had full-time jobs, um, always had a new pair of, you know, new pair of cleats every football season, never had to worry about missing a meal, um, two-parent household, you know, so I'm, I'm very, very fortunate in the way that I grew up, but, um, you know, I definitely got to see, um, and experience the other end of that, of that spectrum, you know what I mean? Had a lot of friends that, you know, didn't come from two parent households or, you know, struggling to make ends meet that, you know, I'm, I'm giving him my last, last season's football cleats cause he doesn't have football cleats, you know what I mean? But, um, I never, I never got into fights growing up, you know, I was always a very agreeable, um, smiley over hyperactive kid you know what i mean i never was confrontational i started wrestling when i was nine years old that's really what started all this i tell people my mom and my dad were both worked full-time jobs so during the summer they didn't have anybody to watch us so they put us in like a summer camp and uh me and my little brother were getting bullied in that summer camp and the last day of the summer camp they passed around these little orange half pieces of paper that was like an advertisement for the youth wrestling club, the Little Huskies wrestling program. And uh, I took that home to my dad and I told him I wanted to join the wrestling team because I wanted to you know, learn how to not get bullied and uh, stand up for myself. But when I was a kid, I wasn't good at anything, man. I always make a joke like my dad used to think I was, I mean, you can't say retarded because it's 2023, but um, my 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 was so bad at sports that my dad like thought there was something wrong with me. You know what I mean? Like not really, but for example, like we used to play basketball and I used to miss the backboard so often that I actually would dent up my neighbor's garage. Like the garage door was all dented up because I couldn't even hit the backboard. When I played soccer, I used to like miss the ball. You know what I mean? Playing t ball, I would miss the ball. So wrestling was the first sport that I was like immediately successful at, you know, I grab somebody and just spike them, you know? Very simple, very, just uh, my will versus your will and, you know, n- not too much else to it. It was very simple.
1: So I've heard from, shout out to
0: our boy, Ryan, your striking coach, Ryan. Oh
1: yeah. He, he said that's what he uh, admires most about you is just, you're just, you come at the jugular. Like when you fight, it's just me versus you, uh, just, you know, head straight on, has MMA uh, or life kind of taught you to be a little bit more tactical, taught you to be a little bit more methodical, you know, because maybe the first couple of fights you can just run through a dude, right? But now are you starting to learn like, okay, I need to, you know, instead of swinging a bunch of punches and maybe not hitting them like that T-ball, mm-hmm. if I swing it hit right here, I'm going to knock this guy out. Being a little more patient. Yeah. So where have you seen that uh, kind of show up in the process of going from that kid at the summer camp to now, you know, you're building a business, now you're part of Bellator, right? Like you're a professional fighter, yep. being patient in that process, right? You're 26 years old and we were talking about, and you've got to have like this identity, right? Like you've got you to have this identity to get fights, sell tickets, get paid, mm-hmm. right? So what, what are you kind of learning in this, in this process so far? Uh, when it comes to being patient, when it comes to building an identity, and I yeah. think that's unfolded for you the last couple couple of years.
0: Yeah, man. Um, I think to answer the question, in the cage, I was always pretty patient. Um, you know, I I've always start off every fight by putting the person on their back foot right away, which doesn't look patient, but um, in my mind, I'm keeping the wherewithal of not allowing myself to lose composure and not lose what I'm looking for or what I'm trying to do. So I I start off every fight with some kind of big movement, whether it's a spinning back kick or a a, a flying bicycle kick or something to get you on the back foot, which doesn't look patient. But rather than coming out of the gates and thinking you're going to get the knockout and just swinging chaotically, kind of would look similar to an untrained eye. But really, I'm just trying to set the tempo to get you moving backwards because so much of fighting is about, um, moving forwards versus moving backwards. Um, staying on an on, on offensive cycle versus being on the defensive cycle, but outside of the cage, patience was the whole game. I mean, I, huh. after I graduated from college, uh, I thought I was going to be in a really good spot to get paid. You know what I mean? This, this whole fighting thing is about, you know, getting paid, but, uh, ultimately having the lifestyle that is, the lifestyle that I want, you know? Having, um, having a lifestyle that is meaningful and that I feel like I'm bringing value to my community and that I feel like I'm fulfilled, you know? But uh, in terms of being patient, when I graduated from college, I thought I was gonna have good opportunities to get paid and to kind of create a life for myself that was gonna be, you know, moving in with an upwards trajectory. When I was in school, I was interning with Big Ten Network, uh, College Game Day, ESPN, Fox Sports. So I thought I was in a really good position. So when I graduated, I was going to have like a full-time job offer and have a career um, doing something along those lines. But when I graduated, I didn't have any of those opportunities. You know, all the jobs that I applied for, Um, you know, nothing really came to fruition for me. And uh, in, in media, right? Because you studied community. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The closest thing that came to was like being a ticket sales representative. Um, right. Just working the phones for like uh, the Cubs or I think the Hornets offered me a job working the phones. But I wasn't feeling that. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to do something that was going to be more engaging and more creative. And it just felt like something that my, I felt like I wanted to do. You know what I mean? For me, it's always been about waking up right. in the morning and being excited about what's about to happen. No, not waking up and being like, let me me throw this fucking English muffin in the microwave, I guess, you know what I mean? Being excited about what's about to happen for the day. So when I graduated, nothing was was, uh, there for me. So I ended up moving back into my dad's basement. I was working pretty much as like a maid. Um, I also was working at a restaurant on the weekends. And then I was also working for Sprint, standing outside of the subway in the winter um, asking people to switch to sprint. Yeah. This is in the Windy City, right? Back, back yeah, this is sure. back in Chicago, exactly. Oh, okay. when, I, when I moved back after I graduated. Okay. Cool. So I graduated in like December of 2019. Okay. And then I moved back after that. Okay, cool. So you were at Ohio State, went back to the Windy City, doing just a couple- odd jobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: But really, the, the background of wrestling and uh, then coming to Columbus- you found your passion, for, you know, personal training, athletic training. So did you kind of always have like a passion for going to the gym, working out? Like you seem
0: like a higher energy guy, which is great. I like higher energy. I, I definitely am, man. I'm ADHD out of the, out of the wazoo. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm one speed, 100 miles an hour, you know? So you started like lifting weights, training, and then you, you kind of found MMA? I had always been, you know, I played football and I always had like worked out kind of loosely, but, um, what really made me want to do MMA, like when I was in college, I was a philosophy minor. I ended up not getting the minor, but I've always been a very like thoughtful, kind of almost to a, a fault sometimes. I think I overthink things a lot of the times, but um, I've always been very thoughtful and trying to be intentional with um, you know, my plan and, and what I'm doing. But like I said, when I was sitting there in my dad's basement, trying to figure out what direction I was supposed to head in and weighing my options. Philosophically, it seemed like the most intelligent thing to do was to do MMA, to really, really take things into my own hands. You know what I mean? To, to really, really, really try to maximize and make the most out of my life and my opportunities and my, you know, my skills and my, the things I have been blessed to be good at. So I, des, I decided I was going to be an MMA fighter. Before I ever had my first fight, I decided that I was going to be a professional MMA fighter and that I was going to make a living doing MMA. Before I ever had my first fight, I, that was what I was doing. Did you watch
1: a Anderson Silva knockout? Did you go in the gym and crack someone in the jaw and you're like, oh, this now, now I'm going to do it? What was that moment when you're like, I'm a, I'm a
0: professional fighter now? Uh, that moment would have to be after my first fight when I like really, is sunk in, like I really can do this. But the thing that made me want to do it, um, I'm going to get backlash for saying this, but honestly, it was just, it was watching um, McGregor's story of whenever he was at the crossroads of being a young man and a a man and leaving his father's house. And um, his story of he was supposed to go get a trade, he was supposed to go get the nine to five route and being like, I'm just not wired that way. I'm not. This doesn't sit well with me. I'm a high-energy individual. I'm very hands-on. This is Connor, you know, in me, as, in me as well. But being like, this just isn't it for me. You know what I mean? Let me, let me bet on myself and see what I can do. Let me see what I can make happen if I go all in on this direction. I was like, if this little Irish dude with no wrestling can, with, with no wrestling and an amateur boxing background, if he can go make that happen just based on his self-belief, and discipline that it, me with all this wrestling experience and you know all this knowledge from having gone to college i was like i'll be damned if i can't make it happen and uh that's what i've been doing man
1: yeah i know a thing or two about wrestling i'm from mechanicsburg ohio so shout out to the 937 okay. which is uh right next to graham high school so mm-hmm. the, jo- the jordan family
0: saint uh saint paris graham yeah okay. yeah that's we that's, wrestled them in uh in high school you probably got your ass beat, didn't you? No, we won. Uh, okay. Did we? All right. <laughs> we did, we did, we did. We were, um, we were number one in the nation my senior year. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. We were the first team in Illinois history to be ranked first in the nation. Because usually St. Paris, St. Paris, like, Paris Grand. one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I grew up
1: around is yeah. uh, I was a short little basketball player that probably should have been a wrestler. Right. Uh, that's why I think I, I've always had a lot of respect for combat sports, mm-hmm. specifically MMA, is I watched some of my best friends that we're going to win state championships. Like, for example, Caleb Romero Mm. at Ohio State right now. Oh, yeah. That's my hometown. I know since he's been in. Shout out to Caleb, you're you're a savage.
0: He was a good football player, too, that guy, wasn't he? Oh, hell of a player.
1: Yeah. Like, just played both sides of the field, um, quarterback, and I think linebacker, safety, whatever.
0: I was always videotaping that guy when I was working for Big Time Network. Really? Following the wrestling team. I was like, fuck that shit, dude. I'm supposed to be on the mat. Yeah. (laughs) But, like, he is the epitome of me having that
1: initial respect for combat sports. Sure. I've seen that kid since in diapers doing pull-ups at home. I've seen him not have a childhood yeah. when kids are going to the pool because he's in a different state wrestling. Yes. I've seen him cutting weight. So like, it all starts- at, You saw like, it at the highest level. Oh, dude. At the highest level. And then they're doing kettlebell workouts, the basketball team, the wrestling team, and uh, You're like, look at this fucking
0: lunatic climbing the rope, screaming.
1: Oh, yeah. And we're a small school, right? And I graduated less than, I think, 70 kids. So, oh, wow. That was a really small school. Yeah. Like, and I, I fell in love with running, uh, running cross country and track and, and whatnot. So I would be in there and running midday during lunch, doing laps with some of my friends because they're trying to cut weight for that match, yeah. you know, that night. So I saw firsthand, I'm like, yeah. yo, these wrestlers are different. Read. Like, it's yeah. crazy. And we'd joke around, right? I'm like, bro, you're a little bitch. I can beat you up. <laughs> and then we'd go in there and slam you on the mat. You're like, I- I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm just joking. Yeah. But it makes sense, right? Like most, most MMA fighters that have a wrestling background, you know, they can they can do some damage. Um,
0: it's the best base for the sport. Yeah. Definitely the best base for the sport. Because even can, if you're a world-class kickboxer, if I take you down, what you gonna do?
1: Yeah, it's like when I've gone in the cage one time for fun, Yeah, you can feel it. You're like, if you... I come after my leg What do I do You know Yeah
0: With with a takedown
1: Yeah exactly It's like that weird
0: uh, Feeling Yeah You know So I I always always tell people My buddies all give me A super hard time for this But I stand on it I'll tell them If I fought Floyd Mayweather In the street I would I would kill him In less than two minutes Mm -hmm. I said the same thing About Canelo Um, Canelo might be A little bit harder Because he's a little bit Of a bigger boy But uh He's got that Mexican heart too Exactly but, you know, it stands. If you're an elite striker, good luck striking on your back, you know? Good luck uh, Good luck having your one-two roll counter from your butt cheeks, bro. It's, like, it's not going to happen. So it's the ultimate neutralizer, you know? If you can take him to the ground, it's the ultimate neutralizer.
1: So watching that uh, Connor, was that manifestation video on YouTube? Man, Lord knows it was one of those videos. Yeah. I watched a lot of them. So that kind of sparked you. Yeah, Yo, let, me, let me give this a shot, right? Uh, But you got into personal training, right? I know that's a a big passion. Yeah, a
0: little more recent, a little more recent. Okay. I started doing that probably, what was that, back in January of this year. I've been full-time doing this since March. When I first moved back here and I was doing the MMA training full-time, I was working in a Pepsi factory doing 12-hour shifts uh, four days a week, and that was killing me, you know what I mean? You can only train so much when your body's sleep-deprived and... I was treating it like a deadlift though. Like every I every went in moving the freight, you know, good posture, working out. Um, then I was doing security. And then I ended up working at this restaurant, which uh, RH Rooftop in Easton, which is a nice restaurant. I was getting paid well to work there, but I was tired of having to do the switch personas. You know what I mean? Like here I am this morning doing like one of the most intense exertions, you know, like fighting you know, I'm like in my, in my fighting mode. Then I got to go wash the blood off my face and put my, put my hair up and put on a, a shirt and a time. Do you want ice cubes with your sparkling water or or lime? You know what I mean? And I was like, I couldn't do that shit anymore. Like I, I was like, I can't do it anymore. So that's when I decided I was going to go all in on the personal training. And I've not I've been doing that that since then. Nice. Yeah. Talk, talk about that uh,
1: identity, right? It's like Going from Max to Mad Max, what does yeah. that mean to you?
0: Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about. That's what we were saying earlier, that a lot of fighters kind of uh, don't want to do that because it does feel kind of inorganic to have kind of like two fucking sides to you almost, two personalities almost, if you will. But um, I think about it as the just me versus me when I'm performing. You know what I mean? When I'm performing for all these people's entertainment, um, I'm Mad Max. You know what I mean? And when I'm, when I'm prepping for that, when I'm prepping for that fight, I have to get in that same mindset, right? When I'm, with, when I'm lifting weights, I'm going to war with the weights, right? When I'm in practice, I have to be very diligent and, um, you know, in that, in that same kind of zone. Like I said, I think it kind of comes down to these two different ways that I try to look at fighting and martial art is martial art and prize fighting are, are two separate things, you know? Martial art is the lifestyle, the life lessons, all the good things, the community all the good things that come with experiencing wrestling and martial art. And then you got the other one, which is prize fighting, which is strictly entertainment, violence, um, taking, right? Money, right? So that's the way that I try to think about it is there's two separate things. The personal training more lines up for martial art. You know, I'm able to do these private lessons with these kids, teaching them wrestling, um, helping people get on top of their diet, their nutrition, their discipline in their life and obviously martial arts all about discipline. And then you got the prize fighting, you know, which is obviously just the nitty gritty of, of martial art, which is fighting. Um, you know, you have to have a different version of yourself that you're gonna go in to a cage and try to, you know, fight someone for your life and for your livelihood in front of everybody that knows you. You know what I mean? If Max you know, I like to think about like my inner child almost like the young the person that I am that I've been through this whole time If, if I tried to walk into the cage, I'd be scared. You know what I mean? I'd be like this is fucked up Like, like why am I doing this? So you have to you have to kind of have that switch You know, you got to be able to enter into a kind of different mode where you don't care anymore That's what it that's the thing that I think is the most important that separates elite fighters from Okay fighters is that ability to just not care what happens to your body winning or losing just, uh, you know, surrendering to, surrendering the outcome to the universe, to God, but just, you know, doing everything you can do and being unattached to whatever happens. Why should people pay to watch you
1: fight? Why should a sponsor sponsor you? Why the hell do people need to know Mad Max? Like there's there's people coming in the octagon left and right, like Elon Musk and and Zuck. Yeah. They're about to fight. Yeah, yeah. Right, but like, what makes you different than everyone else that's like, yo, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere, and I'm next.
0: Well, shit, man. First of all, if you watch me fight, nine out of ten times someone's getting fucking dunked on their head. If you if you like watching big slams, um, you know, you'll definitely enjoy watching me and my fights. But besides that, I'm I'm gonna bring it every time, you know? There's not gonna be a time where I lose by decision. You know, if you, if you beat me, you're going to have to, you're going to have to take me out of there because I'm not moving backwards. I'm not moving backwards behind the jab, knowing I'm down two rounds. If it's that third round and I know I'm down two rounds, you know, I'm happy to overextend and overcommit and risk it because that's what we're here to do. You know, anything else besides that is disingenuous to what fighting is. You know what I mean? Anything else that doesn't really sit well with me. If I, if I lose, is one thing, but um, if I don't go out on my shield, it's another thing. You know what I mean? So if you want to see a, you know, a real fight, I'm always, going, I'm always going to give that. comes back to what I'm hearing is why you started in the first place.
1: You want to have control of your own destiny.
0: I have to, man. It seemed like my life was going in a direction where I wasn't going to be in control anymore. I wasn't going to be in control of how I felt, um, of my own mental, you know what I mean? And I just wasn't willing to compromise on that. I would rather, I would rather, you know, risk all the things that come with this, um, being an entrepreneur, both in my my personal training as well as fighting, because, you know, I I lose a couple clients and now, I'm now I'm below my threshold of my budget, what I need to be making to come out even every month. But, it's, it's exciting. You know what I mean? That's what, that's what makes me get up in the morning and want to go is because I need it. Not because let me go clock into work and then when I get off, I'll watch Netflix and have, you know, it's like it's real. Like it's real for me. I have to go get it. If, if I don't go get it, it's not going to get done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't leave it in the hands of the judges, right? You don't want to. Especially these, these MMA judges, man. You would think you're up three rounds. Next thing you know, you're losing a decision. The MMA judging is horrible. Oh, uh, it's so bad. Are, are you undefeated? Uh, yeah, 7-0, no, I've never lost a round. Hey. bad. <laughs> dropped the mic. Let's go. Yeah, man, but that's just amateur, man. You know, 7-0 as no an amateur is like being the fucking fastest white guy on the football team. Like, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean much. Well, I don't know. I've never been the fastest white guy on the football team, so. I was. Okay. And guess what? I wasn't even top 10 at all fastest guys. You know what I mean? That's what's scary, me is like, <laughs>
1: I was joking. I was like, you know, five years ago, Tyler, if we were a couple shots to tequila deep and I bump shoulders with you, something happens, like I might be swinging back. Yeah. That's what's scary. When I went to the yeah. gym the first time, I'm like, 100% that guy right there, I would be totally fine fighting five years ago. And then you're like, oh. Because he's God. smaller than you. Smaller than you. Yeah, yeah. Like, or even same size. Sure. And then you're like,
0: oh, no. Be no. like, he can kick me in the head without moving. Yeah. Just bring that shit right up top. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying.
1: 100%. So what's the, uh, the focus right now on the sport for you? You know, you, you just went pro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Seven, fight if, fell through. Recently? Sucked.
0: Yeah, bro. So how are you handling that? Honestly, man, I'm just starting to kind of like not feel like myself again. But for lack of a a better term, you know, kind of come back upwards from that huge letdown. Like, I had uh, two back-to-back fight camps. So March 3rd, I was the main event at the Arnold Classic. And I fought for the 165-pound amateur title against Graham Hunter, who is now one of my teammates. But uh, I beat him by unanimous decision. Um, And then Misha Tate ended up, like, seeing that somehow. And she called me and invited me down to Las Vegas to train at Extreme Couture for a month for free. So I went and did that right away. As soon as I was done with that fight, like I, I left, like maybe a week and a half after that fight, I was in Vegas doing two days with, you know, the best UFC fighters in the world. And then Bellator sent the contract while I was down there. So by the time I came back from that three week, little adventure at Extreme Couture, I'd already signed a new contract to be back in camp when I got here. So the past like, you know, 14 to 16 weeks have just been fight camp, fight camp, fight camp, fight camp. So I was supposed to make my pro debut in Chicago on June 16th. Um, I was supposed to be the first fight of the night and then they ended up making me the main event of the prelims. So that was going to be like, Really big deal. You know what I mean? Being the main event of the prelims on Joel Romero's card is like nuts. You know what I mean? That was going to be a huge exposure. like. And then my opponent ended up pulling out of the fight um, five days before. So I had already got down to weight. You know what I mean? I already had that, that big old cut that takes six weeks. I'd already did that whole thing. And um, I was actually just on the street from where we are now, picking up my IV for after the weigh-ins. Shout out to uh, Wellness Flow and Sean when I got the text message that uh, he had pulled out and that we, the fight was off. But huge letdown, bro. Like, And it's weird because whenever you're cutting weight and you're fasting, your endorphins and your hormones are kind of in a certain way. And then whenever you reintroduce food like cheeseburgers and pasta and carbohydrates and more food, your body kind of goes into like a hibernation mode almost. And then you end up feeling kind of like sad. You know what I mean? You, you feel less energy because your body's kind of going into, you know, because everything's like a wave form. Everything's like up and down. You know what I mean? So when you got this preparing, 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 you can only go down, you know? That's the way that I try to look at it. Because even after a fight, when you win the fight, you know what I mean? You get back home and you're like, I still got to do laundry. You know what I mean? You're like, you're up here. And now the only place you can go is down. So it's kind of that's what's kind of scary about the fight game to me. That's what people get caught up in, and that's more dangerous than the punches and the kicks is the roller coaster that it puts your mental on. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially
1: if you're, you know, you just won the main event at the Arnold, which is one of the biggest events, if not the biggest event in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, And then you have a whole fight camp, out in Vegas with the Great. best of the best. You're like, what's happening? And then you get a contract from Bellator. Man, you're on cloud nine. I'm on the, I'm on the fight card. And then you're like, holy the shit. The prelims. They're going to put me in the main event of the prelims. Like the, nothing. The intangible health side, right? Like a lot of people can see the tangible health. In other words, mm-hmm. someone breaks their leg. Yes. Someone cuts 30 pounds. You can see the physical, the outside, but not many people understand the intangible. A hundred percent. Health side. A hundred percent. What are, what are some things that you've done and or you're
0: implementing to try to avoid that peak and valley? It's a good question, bro. I think, uh, ultimately I think that the peaks and valley thing is kind of, uh, inevitable to a degree, but like you said there, you want to have tools and things in place to be able to, you know, monitor it. Um, for me, man, it's, it's really simple, honestly. It's, it's just uh, trying to go slow and um, intentionally be grateful. You know, super simple. Be intentional with the things that I'm grateful for. You know what I mean? For me, one of the things that I do every day, whether I'm in a fight camp or not, the first meal I have every day, I close my eyes and I, and I just acknowledge what's about to happen. You know what I mean? I'm about to eat this food. This is going to come into my body. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to enjoy this food that other people around the world right now are not as fortunate to be able to enjoy. Um, I'm happy to be in the position that I'm in to, to serve God, to you know, try to make my positive impact on the world. And uh, I remind myself of that every day, of the first meal that I eat. And that's something that has really, really helped me um, since I started doing that a couple of years ago. That's a big one for me. Just trying to intentionally be grateful. Remind yourself what you're grateful for. Yeah, I
1: think I think doing this is potentially super helpful as well because you're a man beating people up and, you know, talking about these things at such a young age. You're 26, right? Yeah, 26. So this is not too normal. I mean, even 10, 15 years ago, like our boy, shout out to Matt Brown. Yeah, shout you know, out to Matt. Obviously, they're doing interviews and whatnot, but like being able to share the process when you're in the process mm. is uh, more available now, you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find that, shout out to you. Right? Uh-huh. Much respect for the things. One, doing this, because uh, you're in the- Shout out to you for having me on here, get yeah. thing, Let's get seriously, man. Let's go. giving us a platform to, to do sure. damn thing. But let's talk about, god damn, bro. You fucking ripped me across the table with that dap up. Sorry. You wrestle or something?
0: Yeah. Okay. What can I say? I got those- uh, Computer hands. You got short arms. Yeah, yeah short yeah. arms. <laughs> short. I'm lengthy, man. I can reach for from over here. Yeah. Oh, oh. Keep you over
1: there. How about that? We'll keep you over there. <laughs> what uh, what do you
0: think is the biggest opportunity for you right now in your career? It's got to be uh, you know, go win this uh, four or five contract with Bellator. Has to be. You got four fights, right? Mm-hmm. When's the next one? It's supposed to be October, is what it looks like. There's no card out yet, and they haven't sent me a contract yet. But um, verbally, it's supposed to be in October. But the goal has to be to go four and zero. Why do you say like that? I don't know. You asked me, like, what's my, what's my goal for the next goal for martial arts? And it, it has to be to, to win all the four fights on that Bellator contract. You seem
1: a little concerned with uh, going through the weight cut and getting, getting to October and, ah, this guy fell out again.
0: Man, they better not have it happen. What if but, it does? on it's going to suck again, you know? But luckily for me, Bellator takes care of us, man. I'm still getting, I still got paid my show money for the fight that fell through. Um, You know, I didn't get my win bonus, which is like, I would have gotten double, but- um, And knockout of the night. You know, for what I was visualizing. But uh, yeah, it has to be to go 4-0 in Bellator. Hell yeah, one fight at a time. One fight at a time. One contract at a time, but you got to take them one fight at a time. You're absolutely right. Outside of those fights though, what do you think is the biggest opportunity? Um, Is it getting more clients on the personal training? Yeah, yeah. More media stuff, getting- Connects? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love to get more connects in the media stuff. I mean, this is, you know, doing what we're doing right now will obviously continue to help. But I think for me, the uh, online personal training, I think, is uh, something I'm really trying to, to hit on right now. I've I've made this program that I'm selling people online. It's a, a three-phase program. And obviously, it's tailored to, to each individual person, whether you're trying to gain weight or lose weight or you're a novice weight lifter or, you know brand new, but, uh, like I said, man, I, I love helping people. My, the whole reason I, I started doing this in the first place was cause I, I wanted to have a, a life that felt like it was fulfilling and, you know, worthwhile. And ultimately that comes down to the value that you provide. That's how, that's how I feel. People come training with you. Yeah. So I do, I do in person lessons down here in Columbus, Ohio, up in Hilliard. Um, I do both private lessons for martial art as well as just general training, conditioning programs, but people all over the world could train with me. You know what I mean? If you want to hop on board with this online personal training program, um, people in, you know, Brazil or, or Ireland, if you speak English, then if we could, maybe we could work around it if you don't, but anyone in the world can come train with me. And I'm providing people with this program with the same cutting edge exercises and the same cutting edge nutrition that I'm getting as a professional fighter. You know what I mean? So that's what I think is kind of cool about it is you could really get a look into the world of sports science at the highest level because that's the information that I'm basing my program off of.
1: What are some things that you've learned in the process of this? You know, you were talking about IV, um, you know, staying hydrated. I think that's a main reason why, I, many reasons, but one of the main reasons why I tore my Achilles four months ago was dehydration. Yeah, uh, Obviously movement and the list goes on, but hydration is super key. What are some other things that you're seeing with these clients online or in person that you're like, yo, this is step one. We need to start here. And or like the, the biggest problem that you're seeing when it comes to sports medicine, the biggest problem that you're seeing when it comes to overall uh, well
0: being with people. Two-part two part answer. So the thing that I've learned the most, um, the more that I teach people martial art, the more that I like learn by teaching. So by teaching you just the one, two, three, and having to explain to you the mechanics and the weight distribution, and that reinforces it for me. So I've noticed that a lot, that by me teaching martial art, I, I notice myself getting better and better at the fundamentals because it becomes more just concrete in my own mind.
1: Yeah, I hate I hate when people doggone people that are, um, let's say, a real estate investor. Sure. Right? We all know someone online that's teaching real estate, like myself, right? teaching people financial literacy. Sure. Now, if you've never done any of these things that you're saying, there's a way to go about it. You can say, hey, uh, I know someone that can help you leverage this retirement account that you had from your previous employer to buy this piece of property. Sure. Or this is how you get started in real estate. Well, if you've never bought a property, probably should pump the brakes a little bit. What, What I admire though are people that are like us that's in the process while teaching versus- yeah. You build up a portfolio of real estate, then you start educating. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, I've coached thousands of people around financial literacy, right? And so, hey, next call, when I got to talk to these people on this call, I got to come prepared. I got to research this topic even more. And then while I'm teaching it, people are going to ask questions and I go, oh, shit, I don't know the answer that. I need to do even more research. Or yeah. because I came prepared, I never even thought about that. Sure. So it forces you yeah. to learn and grow while right. we're in the process. Mm-hmm. I like, it, help, it helps both of us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. yeah, I, I find that, I admire that a lot, right? Like you're in the process of, okay, people need to know who I am because I understand the business. If I want to get people to those four fights, probably need to get attention online, probably need to do some podcasts, probably yeah. need to put some things out there, right? A couple of Instagram reels. That's right. Yeah. Got to start flexing out there. Right. Um, so I admire that. And, and, you know, you could easily just go get a normal job and fight I could have bro but instead you're taking the risk of I got to train and win or lose I got to go coach this client next week yeah you know what I mean yeah and I know that's probably in the back of your mind yeah so it's a lot of respect that I don't think about losing yeah
0: <laughs> I really don't <laughs> it's not on like the equation
1: that was a real question I was getting at I'm like you answered it correctly
0: yeah to answer the second part of your question, though, what I think is one of the biggest problems is just the overall, um, you know, this whole thing of the rat race. You know, this idea, the society that we live in is just the nine to five lifestyle is so sedentary. You know what I mean? The human body is meant to be moving. You know what I mean? All of your reward systems in your body are all based around you getting up and getting active. You know why? Because it's what you're supposed to be doing. You know what I mean? Your body is designed to go, go out and go get it. So when you're sitting there in front of your screen all day and your heart rate is staying at, a, you know, staying at 100 beats per minute the entire day, you are hardly alive. You know what I mean? You're alive, but your body's not invigorated and, and you know, your blood's not pumping. So this, the sedentary lifestyle is the biggest problem as well as just the overall um, relatively poor nutrition for most people too many carbs. People have too many carbs and there's all kinds of inflammation in your body because of the carbs. Share a little bit on the nutrition side. Obviously, this is not
1: financial tax, legal advice, nutrition advice, fitness advice. I'm not a licensed nutritionist. Yeah. There we go. I'm not. But inflammation, right? Just uh, people being stagnant, inflammation, gut health issues. All starts in your gut. All starts in your gut. Yeah. Shed some light on that. Yeah. What man. are some things that you do on the, the,
0: for me, I use bone broth, right? I like bone broth. I like, uh, try to do my best to consume a lot of water. Yeah. Hydration is honestly probably the most important. To, you you can have all the fancy prebiotics and probiotics, but if you're not, if you're not well hydrated, then you're kind of already a sunken ship. Just water? Or is there like specific water? Do you use like salt packs? To be optimally hydrated, you got to obviously have electrolytes, right? So the one that's the best is liquid IV from what I've been able to understand. They have a very, very specific formula of salts that is optimal for you. But um, to kind of answer your question, the things that I've, I've seen that are the most um, interesting, for lack of a better word, is the intermittent fasting. My, my clients that try the intermittent fasting pretty much always have the exact same result, which is they're like, holy shit, how is this even possible? you know, it's kind of hard for, for to get over the hump of, of being hungry because your body does crave carbohydrates. Most people's bodies are so accustomed to ha- constantly having carbs that whenever you do start to lean away from, uh, simple carbs that you will start to have those cravings and stuff for the first week or two. But once you get over that hump and you start to get a little more towards a ketogenic state, um, where your body's running on fats as opposed to carbs, um, the mental clarity and the lack of that 3 p.m. feeling that everyone talks about—that after lunch kind of like lef- lethargic feeling that comes right around 3 p.m. Not not having that anymore because of the intermittent fasting. That's probably the coolest little life hack that I could give anyone free game. Is if if you could just have an eight hour window from 3 p.m. to you know maybe 10 p.m. So a seven hour window if you eat. You can eat pretty much almost whatever you want in that, in that window. You know you I mean? You don't want to have junk food and preservatives and all these other processed sugars and shit, but you can have a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of food in that window. And then if you have the rest of the day where you're not eating and you're fasting, maybe you're just having water, maybe a little bit of fruit, you're going to feel good. Your body's going to feel good. And more importantly, your mental clarity, your mental is going to be sharp. That's one of the things I notice when I'm cutting weight. I kind of go through these like weird ups and downs. You get into these like really sharp states, you know what I mean? I'm like I'm almost on like an Adderall right now or something because I haven't eaten in a day and a half, you know. And then when you pop an Adderall, you're like, "Yo, I can keep that shit away from me." <laughs> you like it too? <laughs> no, I was on them, man. I was prescribed them Cause you're from, uh, yeah. ADHD. Care. Yeah, I was prescribed them from when I was in like my probably like sixth grade up until my sophomore year of college, and then I called my doctor and I was like. Take me out of the systems, man. Never send me this shit again. When you were in high school? When I was in college. I was, a, so- college? I was a sophomore in college and I, I called my, um, my doctor and I was like, don't send me this shit anymore. Like, I, I'm not taking this anymore. It like suppressed you? It, uh, it, was, it was honestly a little bit, you know, but more than anything, it was fucking with my like self-image. Like, I'm in class with all these other people. These people are getting A's and B's in the class and, and they don't need to take Adderall. I was like, I'm over here feeling like I'm almost cheating. You know what I mean? It's like I, I was like, I need this to perform at the baseline. I need this to be able to hang with the rest of my peers. I was like, fuck that! I don't need this. I can actually be at the top of the pack without this. I don't, I don't need this handicap or this little extra boost. So I really wanted to see if I could do it. You know what I mean? I wanted to see where I sat without that, you know, um, added methamphetamine to to keep me wired in i wanted to see you know how i would perform in my natural state and i stopped taking it and i still was you know getting like a 3.4 and so yeah adderall is interesting i think well i think first
1: off anything i i think anything can be a tool or a crutch mm. right like you could watch the ohio state michigan game and be like hey a couple drinks of alcohol game's pretty fun yeah had a good time yeah but do you need to drink the next seven days and turn it into a crutch probably not right Drinking a couple, 100% so.
0: Yeah, and same with, same with marijuana, you know? Yeah. Want to have a little puff, you know, maybe, maybe once a week. Very good for your introspection, you know? Maybe have your journal ready while you're doing it. Very good for kind of self-analysis. Mm-hmm. Are you going to smoke two or three times a day? Like, yeah. Probably shouldn't do that, you know?
1: Yeah, I like the uh, the mental clarity side, back to the intermittent fasting, which yeah. is when you eat durings. For those that may not know, obviously, it's pretty popular now, but it's selecting a, a window of time, Uh, Typically, later afternoon, early evening, Mm -hmm. 3 to 10 p.m., let's say, where you eat one large meal or maybe a couple small meals Mm -hmm. um, between that that window and then for 12, 16 hours, you're, you're not eating. If I'm not mistaken, the body burns the most energy when we're digesting food. So if we are eating three, four, five meals a day, depending on your goals, depending on what you're trying to accomplish, that's probably why you feel lethargic, why you feel tired, why you need Adderall, why you need caffeine—is your body's just burning food all day? Versus, when you're three, four days into real intermittent fasting, or if you've ever done like one, two, three days of fasting just water, hmm. oh man, you get, you get sharp in between. You could, you can hear the breads,
0: yeah, yeah, crumbling down. Your the peripheral vision starts to—you yeah, can hear a tic tac hit the ground, yeah. a couple miles away. Like you said, whenever you're having multiple meals a day. Your blood, is, your blood is your life energy, right? Your blood goes to the areas where it's being used. You know, when you're lifting weights and you're, you're using your body, your blood goes to your muscles because that's, that's what you're using. Whenever you're eating a lot of food, your blood is going to your digestive tract and, and staying there because it, it needs to be giving energy to your digestive tract. So whenever you have those breaks to wherever your digestive tract is asleep because you're fasting, their blood is able to go to the rest of your body and starts actually work on maybe healing things that you know are or imperfections or maybe you have a bad elbow or something, you start doing intermittent fasting, I'd be surprised if you don't notice after a week or two that the inflammation in your elbow started to go away. Yeah, when
1: I started fasting, I noticed like day four or five, I could pole vault to the, uh, the bathroom. Just raging raging morning wood when I would wake up, all the blood.
0: Is that pole vault? I don't know what you meant at first. Oh, fucking hell.
1: You could just pull vault right out of bed. Uh, but that makes sense. Yeah. Back to the primal stuff, though. Right? Yeah, man. We, we didn't have uh, Postmates, you know, yeah. 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. ago. Just, right. every, I mean, even this protein bar. The rock and the spear. Yeah, we got to sharpen the Let's take this, this rock. Yeah. But what else you got going on, man? Like, what else are you excited for? So you, you got the contract, fight fell through, but it seems like your mental health kind of circled around, you know, back in the gym, kind of finding your way you know, what else is kind of a focus for you or what you're excited for, uh, over the next couple months here of summer?
0: Yeah, man. I'm really excited to get into the cage again, man. My, my life is pretty, uh, pretty cut and dry, man, right now. I'm in, I'm in this phase of my life here where I'm still in the, in the grinding building phase, you know? Um, there's not really much else that's on my radar besides continuing to try to perfect my martial art and, Trying to grow this this uh, online personal training business and my in person business as well. But
1: what's it been like with family and friends where you went from, oh here he goes, he's going to be an MMA fighter. Yeah, um, this was Max. To now, yeah. Hey bitch, I just signed a contract. Yep. What's that been like?
0: It's been really great, honestly. The um, because a lot of my buddies, like I said, we were the number one team in the nation for wrestling my senior year. So most of my teammates and a lot of my buddies um went on to wrestle in the Big Tens and were NCAA All Americans and um you know had very high levels of success with success with wrestling and I almost walked on to Ohio State but I didn't because it just didn't seem like the smart thing for me. I, I had to get a job, you know, my freshman year I was the dishwasher at K com. Um, you know, I had to I had to make money. But it's been very rewarding for me, you know. The person that most the you know, what kind of stands out to me is with my dad. Um, my dad is very like anti-macho, anti-meathead behavior, what he would call Neanderthal behavior. He's kind of like a, the way I look at it, he's kind of like an like a ex-Neanderthal, ex-meathead. You know what I mean? When he was like 16 and 18, he was getting into a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? Like a, like a lot of trouble. In Chicago? Yeah. And whenever I came around, you know, I was I was a, I just kind of popped out one day, you know what I mean? I wasn't really planned. Um, whenever I came around, he kind of kind of changed the course of the ship of what his life was doing. When I first started doing this, he was like, he wasn't, maybe he was upset. Yeah, he probably was. He probably was upset because he had put me in a position where I went to college. You know, his whole thing was that he was going to get me to college and then I was on my own, you know? I'm going to open the door for you, hold the door for you to get to college, help pay for your college, you know, he was always super up my ass about grades so I could get an academic scholarship to college, which I did. But whenever I started doing this, he was kind of like, kind of felt like he got like spat in his face. You know, he was like, I did all this just for you to go fight someone in the cage. So me and him didn't really talk for a while. You know, there was probably a whole year where we didn't really speak very often. You you know, check in every once in a while. But um, it was like the elephant in the room was that he didn't approve of the way that I was choosing to live my life. He's kind of come full circle now. Um, He finally admitted to me when I was in Las Vegas that he, like, tells his friends that he thinks it's cool, but that he, like, won't really admit it to himself that he thinks it's cool. Because as an idea, he doesn't like MMA. This idea of two, you know, two grown men going and beating each other up for everyone's entertainment doesn't sit well with him. But, um... For me, like I said, that's not ultimately what it's about, you know? I I do love the thrill and the rush of being a prize fighter, and I do know that's where the money comes from. But for me, it's all about the martial arts side of things. For me, when I started this journey and I had this vision of one day what this was going to look like when it was all over, it's me having my own gym, having my own high school wrestling team, having my own youth jujitsu program, and having that community that I've built and that's kind of my gift back to the world. Um, that's the vision that I set off on this journey with. And that's something that anyone can get behind. You know, that's something that, of course, my dad can get behind because it's, it's something beautiful. But, um, the actual aspect of getting in the cage and, and fighting each other, he's still not a big fan of. Can you beat him up? My dad? Yeah. Can you take him? Oh, yeah, man. He's got two fucked up knees, man. I've- he can't even tie his shoes without help, man. My dad's a bad dude, though, man. Back in the day, we used to have wrestling matches and, uh, he used to have his watch on, and he would fucking put the watch in my eye socket or something, man. Get yeah, you. man. Judd, if you're listening, man, better watch out. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, she's calling me right now, man. Isn't that oh, weird? He he, he's he's watching the live hey man. No, I'm going to get back with you later, Judd. I'm, no, I'm going no, to reject that. I'm going to reject that. He heard us talking. Yeah, he this is weird. You know, like uh, let me remind you. Yeah. Let me remind you. See. What'd you
1: say? <laughs> Pull up on your ass right now. So, uh, is he... Is he like your your biggest mentor you would say? Is he, you know, one yeah. of the Yeah?
0: Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. My dad's is is different, man. And I and I wonder if everybody feels like this about their dad. You know, if it's kind of just like everyone thinks their dad is Superman. Mm-hmm. But um I don't have more respect for any other human that I've ever met in my life than I than I have for my dad. All the life lessons that he's taught me and the uh the selflessness that he's displayed through my entire childhood where it was never about him. There was never... Honestly, I've told him, I think you should probably go do more things for yourself. You know, you got to go have some more fun, man. It's not all about, you know, making sure everyone else is okay all the time. Um, But yeah, man, my dad has definitely been my biggest mentor. And then, you know, other one, probably Mike Powell. It's probably my other second uh, biggest mentor. Mike Powell was the head coach of my high school wrestling team. He's in the Hall of Fame for wrestling, but he was like the patriarchal leader of our whole little wrestling community since I was nine years old. Um, and he always was teaching you the, teaching you things the right way, man. And, and just honestly being so damn hard on you because that's what life is going to be. You know, Mike Powell used to try to break us every single day. And I mean it, I mean, he used to have us doing planks slapping, you know, slapping you on your stomach, yelling at you, are you, you going to be, do you want it or not? It's a simple choice. You know what I mean? Are you going to do it or are you going to quit? And just coming face to face with that intense reality as like a 14-year-old boy up until you're a senior in high school every day, it makes you different, you know, like people that have not experience that can't even really comprehend what it's like to be in a world-class wrestling room environment. Just because of the intensity. And I think that's what makes people on a little bit of a different note. One of the things in the mental game of fighting that I've been talking about with my teammates recently is this concept of an intensity threshold. Um, and like different fighters have different intensity thresholds. And what I mean by that is, are you able to operate and keep your composure at these, at these high levels of intensity? You might be the best you know, you might be the best fighter in the gym on sparring day, but then whenever we go into the octagon and now you're in your fucking underwear and everyone's washing, and now you shut down because your intensity threshold isn't high enough to be able to cope with that. You know, someone like, someone like Connor, since we already talked about him, he's the guy that has like the highest intensity threshold. He'll make it like, you know, he'll make it so much more intense for you And trying to like test that intensity threshold. Like, let's see how intense you can really, can you operate in this environment that I've created for us? You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the guy in the sauna that's fucking dumping all the water. Onto the fucking rocks. Yeah. Screaming, burn the boats. Yeah. Yeah, man.
1: But I like that analogy because I think that's why, uh, I think that's why sports are so important, especially when you're growing up, especially in high school, because if you don't, uh, have a father. Like I grew up, my, my dad passed away when I was eight years old and oh man, my mom remarried, but there was no real man, father figure there. And thankfully I found it through running mm. and essentially through myself and through my older brother, just being a leader and, and my sibling, Yeah, uh, my siblings, excuse me, my sister as well. But that's what I love about sports is potentially those broken households uh, or or not. It's like, ah, I don't want to listen to my dad or my mom but then if your coach says it, the same exact words, yeah. like, all right, I'll listen to that person. Yeah. If not,
0: I got to run more sprints. Right. Uh, because that, it's like accountability. You know what I mean? It's almost like that analogy of like the world is going to hold you accountable, but like your coach is going to hold you accountable right now. <laughs> it, right. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be
1: anything different that they say versus your parents. So I think that's why parents should highly consider uh having their kids in sports because it's like you're trying to get them disciplined but you're their mom and dad like human behavior they don't want to listen to you they're too cool yeah but it keeps them accountable discipline is is especially with wrestling i've seen I'm, i haven't personally done it but i've seen yeah. it and witnessed it at the highest level to go man these kids are not even going to the movies yeah. on a saturday night because yeah. they got to cut weight and you guys were the little huskies yeah, well, I, I was the big Husky. I was wearing the Husky jeans. So I, I've, I've seen it, man. I know.
0: <laughs> the other thing about sport is losing. You know what I mean? Losing and sitting with that outcome and, you know, any sport and, and you know, sitting in that place of failure and being like, what do I do from here? You know what I mean, do I, do I point the finger? Okay, well, that didn't work very well. Do I decide not to play the sport anymore? Well, now I'm bored. Or do I, try to, do I try to even discipline myself further and have higher attention to detail of trying to learn this craft? You know, it's really only three options. You have that failure presents itself in everything, right? You get fired from your job. If the first time you got presented with failure is when you're 18 years old, the way that you're gonna respond is not going to be ideal. If you've been in sports your whole life and you've been on the losing side of things and had to, you know, right the ship over and over again, it's a familiar process to, to you. What was that uh, biggest loss for you that gave you that perspective?
1: Was it a wrestling match?
0: It was probably my, going into my junior year, I only wrestled on varsity at Oak Park for one season. My senior year was the only year I got to be a varsity starter. We were the number one team in the nation, like I said. We had kids moving in from all over Illinois to come wrestle for my Powell. No, they weren't. They were moving there for other reasons.
1: We, you know, we can't say that. I know what you're saying.
0: No, they 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 moved you, there to wrestle. You know what I mean? Their parents moved them there to, to wrestle. It's, it's I could go- I'm saying if for context
1: why I said that. If you're watching uh or listening, it's same thing at St. Paris Graham. Like these kids would come from like uh New Mexico or yeah. Texas, wherever, and they're like, Oh no, we're totally we just uh, career change is like Yeah. I bet you got recruited. Exactly. You came here. <laughs> right, right, right. So anyways, side note. So these kids were coming obviously I'm wrestling under Mike Powell, number one in the country. My kid's
0: going to get a scholarship, be the best of the best. And they all ended up doing it. You know what I mean? my, My main practice partner right now, from back in the day, Kamal Bay is about to go win a gold medal for the Olympics for Team USA. You know what I mean? That was my main practice partner from, you know. But for me, that failing moment was whenever I was going into my junior year. Sophomore year, I almost quit the wrestling team because I didn't want to wrestle on JV anymore. I went the entire two seasons without having someone score a single point on me on JV because I was like, I shouldn't be on JV. I mean, I'm a lifelong wrestler. I should not be on junior varsity. But going into my junior year, I had to wrestle off against a fellow named Matt Rundell who went on to wrestle at University of North Carolina. Shout out to Matt. But he was a returning state finalist, and I had to wrestle him off for the starting spot on varsity. And that whole offseason, every single day, I was on my David Goggins, on my Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality. I was like, I, ha- like I, have to, I have to win this match. Like I have to be the varsity starter. And I got like fucking tech fault. He, he beat me like 15 to zero when we wrestled off for the spot. And um, I, was, I was more crushed than I had ever been before because I put, I did everything right. I did everything that I could possibly do to put myself in the right position. And I lost fair and square. You know, fair and square, I wasn't good enough. And coming to terms with that and being like, that's how the world works. You know what I mean? Sometimes, sometimes you're not good enough. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to quit the wrestling team or are you going to try to get better? You know, and I tried to get better and I did get better. And then I, you know, next season I wrestled off against a returning All-American for the spot and I, and I beat him. And then he challenged me back. We went into quadruple overtime and I beat him again. You know, shout out to Roland. He now plays a uh, strong safety at Central Michigan my boy. Damn. Yeah. So that was that moment for me was, um, you know, failing to be the varsity starter my junior year and like being like, what am I going to do? Am I going to quit wrestling? Am I going to go join the fucking band or something? It's like, no, I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep writing, keep trying to push the envelope. And ultimately that same mindset has brought me here now, you know, keep trying to just push the envelope. Yeah. That's, what's cool about wrestling as well. I don't know if it's
1: similar in the MMA uh, space, but it's an individual sport, but there's a brotherhood behind it as well. Mm. Where, yo, know, right now, you're not my teammate, right? When you're, when you're going to do a wrestle off, but then afterwards, it's like, no, we are teammates. We're going to try to get better in practice and, you know, push towards a, a team goal, but yeah. also individual goals. Are you creating that right now with, you know, your brand and how, how you're training? Are you trying to get people around you that you had around you? Uh, or has it, or have you not been able to do that? Because, I mean, it sounds like you were, Top of the top, clearly, you know, has it been difficult to be like, man, I wish my boy Matt was in this damn cage with me training because I know he
0: would. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe shed some light on that. In terms of the difference between wrestling and MMA and that kind of brotherhood community kind of thing, you definitely get it more in wrestling because it, it is a team. Um, in MMA there really is no team. You know, you have the the teammates that you train with, and obviously you have that camaraderie with those guys. But uh, at the end of the day, there's, it's not a team, you know. So that, that feeling does come more from um, your high school wrestling team. You know, those are your fucking guys, you know. We're in the locker room being freaking weirdos. But yeah, I have been able to recreate that with my teammates. You know, it's hard not to recreate that with your, my MMA teammates because, you know, we're, we're doing this shit together, you know. We're, we're in there three days a week trying to pass around ideas, trying to beat each other up while we also try to not hurt each other. You know, so it's this fine line, and uh, fortunately for me, I have a couple guys around running that are about the same size as me: uh, Mark Antonelli, Kobe Woodall, or two other lightweights. So those are my two main practice partners, and then you know guys like Melvin Harris, Nick Fox, Huber, Devin Gallati, all fight at uh, one seventy. Miles Robinson. So I have been able to kind of foster that brotherhood and that community as well, but it's not quite like the high school wrestling days. Is Miles smaller than you? No okay no man miles well 200 pounds maybe? yeah he's like he's gotta be like 205 man he'll tell you he'll tell you he's 190 something man but he's full of it i was
1: gonna say i just got even more scared so miles shout out to miles i gotta get him on here as well big miles he hits hard as fuck he hit me on accident i think like maybe five percent yeah if i already get hit knock the mouthpiece right out oh dude <laughs> i was evolved yeah what do you guys do different, different breed so uh who who's
0: your favorite fighter indoor fighters it used to be McGregor man, but he broke my heart man. He's turn, he turned, he didn't turn into a too much coke man. What's up man? Shit broke my heart. You know that's what I uh, can't really be a fan of him anymore man. He's I, he, he like cringes me out man. I'm like go like stop being so weird. His post cracked me up when he does like
1: the lifestyle post. I think the most recent one I saw he has like he's like on the beach and it's like an angle a photo with an angle up and you can just see his dick right there just like. <laughs>
0: package right there in front of yeah, you get that speedo on yeah i'm like come on man bro. that's that european style man i don't know what they'd be on down there <laughs> so you should be my favorite fighter probably right now either volk or francis i have you listened to the joe rogan with uh francis i have not no it's a good one if you if you check it out i think you'd enjoy it francis and ganyu
1: he just announced with tyson furry right yeah yeah
0: that's gonna yeah. be yeah that's that's gonna be interesting take my money man i'll watch Volk is <laughs> oh Volk's amazing, bro. And he's such a humble guy, you know. You know, as someone who, who strives to to be humble and stay humble, to see someone who's literally on the top of the world in this game act the way the Volk acts is really inspiring. It really is. You know, for me to to see him just be so normal, just so humble, it's just like, man, hats off to him, bro. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah, much, much respect. As far as Other local guys here in town, who do you think, who do you think's
0: got it? Outside of you, of course, who else has got it? Man, I mean, I got to say, all the guys I just said, all my teammates, you know, I think they got it, man, but um, guys that are really blowing up right now, Josiah Harrell just got a big opportunity, he got brought up to the UFC um, to fight Jack Della Maddalena last week, but after they did an MRI, they found something in his brain, man, so he he wasn't able to fight because of that, he's going to have to have brain surgery, but he'll be back, but. He's seven and zero as a pro with, with uh, I think six or seven finishes, so he's probably the guy. You know when you talk about guys that are next up coming out of Ohio, um, he's definitely one of them. But all the guys I just mentioned, man, I got I got faith that we're all going to make a big uh, big ripples here. You know, me and Josiah are the only two that have been signed to larger promotions like that, but I think I think everyone's time is coming soon here. You know I mean, LFA is reaching out to everyone. So let me ask you again, why do people need to know Max and why do people need to watch Mad Max? Shit, man, if you like violence, if you like theatrics, um, you know, if you like fighting, then you definitely want to watch me because not only am I going to show you the high-level wrestling and the slams and the ground and pound, but I'm also going to have the spinning, you know, the, the fun, more rhythmic movements of a striker. Sometimes I like to think, what would, it be, what would it be like if Israel Adesanya and Khabib like, merged together? You know what I mean? What if you had one of the best strikers of all time who could also fucking spike someone on their head and then you know, get the boots on and just clobber them? That's what I'm trying to do is combine those two styles. So that, um, that very athletic, very explosive kickboxing style that takes a lot of balance and a lot of athleticism. You know, a lot of fighters aren't that athletic. Combine that with the nitty gritty kind of like just bite down wrestling mindset. So I like to think I provide the best of both worlds. You know, you're going to get that cool martial art, spinning back kick, flying knee action out of me, but you're also going to get the, the nasty, um, you know, ground and pound wars that come with that style of, of fighting as well. You know, you're not going to see me hanging around the outside the whole time. where we'll both guys walk out with no marks on their face. You know, it's probably not going to happen in one of my fights. So, if you like fighting, I'm, I'm definitely the guy to watch, man. Because someone's getting finished. If I have anything to say about it.
1: What's one thing that you uh, want people to know about you, or that you've, you know, think is worth worth sharing that they may not know about you? And this is going to be, you know, as we kind of wrap things up. I know you're getting yeah. a short on time. So, what's, yeah, what's one thing that maybe get off your chest, out
0: of your head? One thing I want people to know about me is that I wasn't I wasn't supposed to be here doing this. The only reason that I am in the position that I'm in is because I decided to lean into these feelings that I had in my heart. Um, I was supposed to be a ticket sales representative for the Cubs. I was supposed to be working in an office. Um, and I had this feeling coming from my, like my gut, like my stomach. Um, that this is just not the direction that I was supposed to be going in, that my, you know, it wasn't a natural life. It didn't feel like something that I was supposed to do. And um, I just decided that I wasn't going to allow that to happen to me. And I'm just a normal dude, man. You know what I mean? I'm a JV wrestler. I wrestled on varsity for one year. Um, if I can do it, you can do it. And it doesn't mean it's MMA, but, you know, if you love to paint, if you love to You know, make furniture, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you are kind of have a, a, you know, an inclination to be good towards, um, go after that shit, man. Even if you have to work in the factory like I did for a couple months, go after that shit because the other option is wondering what would have happened. And by the time we're old, that would hurt a lot more than, uh, you know, because living in the U.S., we kind of have a safety net. You know what I mean? The worst thing that can happen is you go go get another job that you don't love. But the pain of regret is something that you can't um, undo. So if there was anything that I wanted to leave people with is just go after it, man. I always tell people, fight, you're a good fight. Whatever your good fight looks like, go win that shit today. You know, whether it's getting out of bed and getting on that treadmill, you know, whether it's finally picking up that pen and paper, starting to write your lyrics down, whatever it is, go go win your good fight. That's why I always tell people, boom, boom. Love it, brother. My good brother. shit. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Seriously, this was, was fun.
1: This was a great I'd time. love to come back on. Absolutely. We'll do it again, and uh, that's what the show's all about, man. All for nothing. That's that's why I named it All no, for Nothing. No. I think most people live their life, do all these things for nothing, right? So what can we do right now, tomorrow, the next day, to make sure we don't do it all for nothing? So, uh, I love that. I didn't even tell you to say that. Good shit. Boom. Boom. Whoa. Wrap it up.
0: My drop.